0: Hello, my name is Scott Cameron. This is the Joys of Teaching Literature. If you want to know more about me, my websites, theteachersworkshop.com. I offer online professional development, um, self-paced professional development for high school English teachers. Sometimes online, <laughs> I was reading about this, it doesn't necessarily mean, could mean live, it could mean just at your own pace, which is what I do. Um, so this <laughs> this week we're actually talking about probably something that a lot of teachers don't like to talk about. I like to focus on literature, but that is kind of my point with this topic. The topic is professional development. Um, and uh, so I guess, I guess this is obviously something that that I care about uh, because I was so moved to, to, actually it was a suggestion of my colleague that a group of us all do um, and run professional development together as kind of like a team in the summer. And I thought, yeah we, yeah, we should do that. And a bunch of us were like yeah that, that sounds cool um, and then just i just kind of just took off with it and you know people are busy and not everybody wants a crazy side hustle that consumes all their time <laughs> and makes them little to no money so um but but i really enjoy it and the the this this the, the thing i love about um online courses is the feedback cuz so i was really super worried about that uh, at first, kind of like, is this something people want? Is it is it something that they, you know, that they need? Um, is it is it worthy of their time? Because I I know that that's probably the biggest complaint with a lot of teachers with professional development is just they could be they, they could be spending their time doing something else. Lesson planning, great, especially if you're an English teacher, grading essays, reading novels. You know that there's always, there's a big push now. I'm sure that this has been around for a while to you know update the curriculum with newer texts and Poems, short stories. Uh, so there's always something new to read. And of course, that takes a lot of, you know, if you're going to really teach it, literature is really difficult to kind of wrap your head around. So a lot of effort and just thinking about it and how you're going to, not only just thinking about the literature and how to teach it, but also uh, how you're going to deliver that lesson to the class and making it, you know, and make it into a meaningful and fun activity and all that. So that that all is really there's just so many things about teaching that's time consuming, putting entering grades, answering emails, meetings and 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 uh, with school counselors. Uh, there's just countless numbers. Uh, you know, don't even mention <laughs> that we have friendships. At, you know, sort of collegial friendships uh, that we develop with our colleagues, um, where we just want to chat with people and, and take a break and have lunch <laughs> but it is just it's a mad rush like the school days you've got to make copies um, not so much anymore that everything's virtual but even now like we don't have to make copies anymore but we have to put somehow make a sense of our lesson plans where it, it's doable online um, kids might not have the book for instance all these different things challenges that we're, we're facing now with with online learning um, there's just there's never enough time and this is, I think, always the main complaint with any kind of professional development, and just in general, is when when are we going to have time to collaborate? And actually, my school does a fantastic job of, of doing two, two things. Um, one, allowing students to collaborate. We have a common break period uh, in the middle of every day. And so if it's nice outside, the kids go outside. Even when it's cold, I see kids kind of just getting fresh air going outside. Um, there's a lot of student groups that meet during that time. Um, I run a group called uh, Homeroom Broadcast, where we broadcast the news and announcements and celebrations at the school, celebrate the culture of the school uh, through a broadcast. Uh, so we meet during that time. So people are just kind of running around doing different activities, meeting with their teachers, you can conference, um, you know, catch up on you know, if you have to like, meet with your teacher over work that you're missing, kind of establish a plan with your teacher, that kind of thing. So that's really great, um, and then it's also there's also a weekly one once a week we meet or uh, we just have time to meet either as a department or with our with our students um, and that's that's a time that we can collaborate and just kind of talk and lesson plan or if there's anything on the agenda for what we want to accomplish that year, uh, we have that time built into the schedule so that's really, really great. Um, and we're lucky that that we have that, and people trust us with that time. Um, so it can be it's either something where you actually get a break, because <laughs> sometimes, you know, if you have your break period early and late, or something like that. It's nice to actually have a lunch, um, or it's time to, like I said, catch up with a student, do a conference, uh, something of that nature. Um, but yeah, professional development is so for that reason. I think, and because teachers are teachers. <laughs> Right, We were good at delivering material and we, we've been doing it for years, right? So we plan out every single minute. We know the transitions. We know, you know how to kind of establish time uh, boundaries, if you will, Or, okay, you have five minutes left on this activity and you know exactly how long the activity is going to take. You know exactly when the bell is going to ring. So you're like, okay, let me tweak this thing here because I got three minutes here. Uh, we're just masters of time. <laughs> it's, it's just, like, thing that all the, of all the different things that we didn't think that we'd become good at, <laughs> you know, time management is, like, something that definitely learned uh, in the first few years of teaching how to just uh, make that, make the rhythm of the class, like, you know, both, you don't want to make it too crazy where you're, like, just moving relent- with, like, a relentless speed and it's, like, too much, too stressful. But you also don't want to just, you know, lose five or ten minutes here and there because of whatever's going on in the school, or, you know, there's always like an ability for a teacher to kind of like rein things in and okay, that was fun, but like let's get back to work and do this here. So we're going kind of stop to have fun at different points, but also keep on task and, and really use every single minute. You know, I, I really value my, my time. You know, my students' time and my time in class because it's all about not sending work home, right? I'm teaching every single minute in every single class because I don't want my students to take home work. And so I, I really try to take advantage of every single second that I get with them uh, so that it's not like, oh yeah, go ahead and take take some extra time and do that at home because we, we messed around for 10 or 15 minutes in class. But right? that's not fair. So um, that's why I do that. So anyway. <laughs> my point being with this is that teachers have really high standards for when it comes to their own learning right they were super committed to um, not wasting anybody else's time in our class so when somebody else wastes our time we're like why does this person you know who's supposed to be an expert in the field of education you know why did they just waste 10 or 15 minutes of my time All right so i think that's that's something that i guess and I, I and i the topic of this is the case for content-specific professional development. So I'm focusing on specifically, like, why is it important to focus on your specific field, your subject area? Um, I and mean, there's a million reasons. I, I think that understanding the relevance of what we do and how it's connected to the real world is only something that you can really think about in terms of your own field. I, sometimes there are things like you know, there's been really good ideas over the years, teachable moment. Project-based learning, problem-based learning, um, the student-centered classroom. There, there's been really revolutionary ideas that that go across all um, subject areas. But when I sit, when we try to do it, sometimes when I we have activities where it's like, okay, you know, sit with somebody not in your department because you form these kind of cliques, right? So it's like, okay, you know, work on this question, but with somebody who's not in your par- your department. That's sometimes what I hear is like, this would be nice in history class, but. As a chemistry teacher, I'm trying to figure out what this means for me, and it just doesn't. Um, but if you were to sit around with a bunch of chemistry teachers, say from like another school, something uh, somewhere else in the country, and they're like, "Well, this is how we do things," and it's to some extent, there's got there's some uniformity, and that's kind of the point of what's co- job called job embedded professional development content specific professional development, is that you have some things in common, but then there's these these sort of really creative things. That, that are slightly different that maybe we didn't think of, like oh yeah, I can teach osmosis that way or whatever it is. Um, and so, understanding these very, you know, uh, content-specific terms um, is something that that we have to really, I think, spend most of our time on. Um, and a lot of the questions that that we have to answer as a department, but also nationwide, uh, can only be really answered by people who are, are dealing with. The things that they're dealing with on a regular basis, um, and, and that is their their content, and and not just broadly education. Again, sometimes that works that way, but um, and I think that there's a lot of value in sitting down with a science teacher and, and hearing what they have to say. And actually, one of my favorite one of my favorite things to do. This is going to sound so crazy, but one of my favorite things to do is is to be a sub. Like so, our school. Uh, I don't know if other schools do it this way but we actually are assigned instead of our, our duty period if we run out of subs they grab an actual teacher who's on their duty period to go substitute for that class and I actually people always complain about how they have to go sub for some class they don't like or whatever but I actually really enjoy it because I, I'm like just kind of thumbing through the textbook I'm talking about what they learned in their class and if it's a French class or a chemistry class physics. I always really loved physics in school um, it's just really exciting to just know that there's all of the like when you think about it, you walk around the hallways of the school, you have no idea that there is just so much academic learning like learning going on in all these different fields about the how the entire universe works. And even gym class, I get excited to go to gym class because it's just a it's just a little bit of a change. and so I definitely think that there is something about like connecting with, say an art teacher and saying, okay. How do you teach these these concepts in art, and how can those uh, you know be something I can use in my English class or music perhaps or performing arts um, we have an, i was the advisor of an art gallery at my school for a while, so that was always a really really excellent um, opportunity for crossing disciplines because i you know we would have sort of historical exhibits in the art gallery, and so that it was not just purely art but you know we were looking at photographs and uh, you know, different thing. and even science too. You know, we had sculpture artists in there and people who, who uh, blowing glass and different things, so you could like sort of talk about the scientific processes and creating art. So that was really interesting. Um, so, so again, I, and I, I think every school should have an art gallery for that reason, actually, so that the different like and actually, as an English teacher, would have um, the English teachers whenever they did a creative project that could be put on display in a gallery. I would have them come. And and put this their student work in the gallery, so when you're talking about an, a gallery walk like through your classroom. Imagine that on a school wide basis. So you're not just able to see, uh, you know, if you're a, a, a freshman, you know, you're not able just to see your own class's work, but you're able to see work from all from any freshman in your class, from all the freshmen in your class, and see how they're interpreting the same piece of literature that you're interpreting. It was the project from the Odyssey that's coming to mind that we had in the art gallery. Uh, so that's a really powerful thing. And Think about the ways that like a science teacher could use an art gallery, right? Uh, as a way of displaying work. And, and again, on that school-wide basis. So, you know, you're looking at the, so because you just studied the Odyssey, you're looking at something that somebody did uh, that's related to the same assignment or book that you're doing. But then a senior can come in to the art gallery and be like, oh, what's what's the show? You know, what's going on down here? And they can you can kind of look back on the Odyssey as like, you know, this piece of literature that means a lot to you back a couple of years ago, and, and kind of get a fresh perspective uh, on that, that piece of literature. So, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity, you know, for cross disciplinary professional development. But like I said, I think uh, the, the most important um, prof- professional development we can do is in our content area and with teachers who are, who are dealing with the exact same issues that we're dealing with. Uh, learning communities were a thing for a while, where we basically just collaborate within your um, department on different objectives, you establish questions, action, research is kind of about this. Uh, but what My my idea, the reason I started offering courses is because like, okay, there's this thing called the internet now, it makes it really easy to hear somebody else's ideas in, in great detail and just really listen to them go, you know, talk for half an hour or 45 minutes, uh, about a particular topic and show, you know, in my course, I show um, all the, all my materials that I use in my class and I can explain exactly why I use the materials that I use in my class and why it makes my life easier and saves me hours of, say, grading essays or um, explaining difficult concepts like, the you know, omniscient, limited omniscient narrator or whatever it is that, that is sort of, you know, literary techniques or, or prosody or you know, if you're teaching poetry, there's Sort of difficult things to teach, and there's a specific way that we can teach them that makes it easy and accessible and fun for kids. And and, and you know, there's a way to for me to explain uh, the projects that I give in my class. Like this is the thinking that I had behind the creativity project this year. I'm doing the love and stories project. For a few years, I did something called the education project. Um, and so, you know, there's just sort of things that that come out of my head year to year. That it would be nice to. For I I always thought like it would I love listening to other teachers talk about their projects I'm like oh my god that's like how did you come up with that so brilliant uh, when I'm online I'm always encountering these these brilliant teachers in Facebook groups and podcasts and, and different things that I Instagram uh, looking at what kind of projects and ideas and books that people are teaching it's just it's in, it's just amazing the skill and the talent. Uh, and of of teaching it, of teachers out there, and just the art of it all. Just the idea that um, it's this really beautiful, kind of wonderful thing that uh, we think about um, deeply on a regular basis, but don't always really share with with other people in our field. Now, the, the most the best professional development that I got was uh, the Na- and I'm sure everybody knows the National Council of Teachers of English, uh, NCTE. I remember going back. God, it must have been. 2008 or 2009, one of my, um, sort of early in my career, uh, just listening to these veteran teachers talk about the, again, that really think that thing that they're super passionate about. (laughs) I forget this one session on grammar. Uh, I bought like three books as a consequence going to the session. Like I have to read all those books because they just sound so awesome. And I just got really deep into, uh, this, this, way of, of not teaching grammar, but, but, but teaching it in the context of close reading and looking at the syntax of a sentence, um, and how it can sort of bring out meaning. And, and also at the same time help students with their grammar. Um, so I just thought, man, that's like just so brilliant. Like I just, you know, that early in my career, I just never thought of doing things that way. And he, he, you know, we had a teacher, I remember the guy went through a, a passage from the things they carried, and he he actually did a close reading of the passage uh, for the teachers in the room. Like, man, this is so much fun to watch another teacher do a close reading of a passage. Um, and so, I, I guess that's maybe what got me first excited about it. Um, we've 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 I've done other professional development that's really meaningful. I think everybody has done professional development where you're like, oh, I remember this one session. The leader was really good. Um, they did, they talked about X, you know, X, Y, and Z books, uh, something like that. You know, we did one, um, how to read a sentence and how to write one was really good. So we sort of broke the book into, into chapters and each set of teachers kind of covered a different chapter and, and talked about how they could, how they, you know, basically created lesson plans out of the book. Um, and so that was exciting too. So, th- so there's just everybody has those, those experiences where they just learned a tremendous amount. They, 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 ha- they, you know, worked on something that they could actually use in their classroom, not just some philosophy or some like, we should do things this way and, and not really know what that means for a lesson plan, right? It's like a unit plan um, where you can revise and change a lesson. Um, you know, it, it, The broader the idea or the philosophy, the less meaningful that lesson plan is gonna be, right? But if you see somebody talk about a novel that they teach and talk about why they love that novel and show you passages from that novel and talk about how they, they teach in the novel and how they make it easy for like, I talk a lot about how I try to make it really easy for kids to read. For instance, I, I have my kids uh, read an entire novel independently before we start to read it. So we don't go chapter by chapter. Uh, we just, I just give them as much time as I possibly can, uh, usually four to six weeks depend you know it depends on the, on the unit that I'm at and uh, the projects I'm doing, but try to give them at least four weeks to read a novel and uh, I collect those, a set of notes on, that they take on those novels some people do journals some people do reading checks there's just a lot of different uh, techniques that are specific to our field that are important to learn about and so that's basically why I offer started offering the class it's like all right so online not only not only can you take my class online at your own pace but you can also download um you know as much material that I think is meaningful for any teacher taking my class. Um, some of the stuff I sell on Teachers Pay Teachers, but I just kind of give it away for free in the course. Uh, and I in the in in my on my screencast, I can show you the handouts as I as I bring them up. And so you know in reality you could be you know I could give a PowerPoint and stuff. And you're sitting at the back of the room, kind of squinting your eyes at the PowerPoint. And of course you can share links and different things like that. But it, I think it's really you know kind of a personal experience to actually see the handout that I'm talking about and 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 actually you know kind of understand it on the level where I'm I've been thinking about you know how I've changed my approach I can explain to you you know trial and error of my life you know the the mistakes I've made along the way and how I learned and uh, I talk about course feedback and how to get feedback from students to improve you know your course and and how I've done that so and I can just tell stories from the class different things like that so that's what I think is is really Really valuable. Um, so, all right. So I'm going to I'm going to start. That was my really long introduction to this topic. I'm going to start now. So most of us teachers became teachers because we loved being students. Maybe we didn't love being students in every class, but we definitely looked forward to talking about literature. I remember losing interest in some classes like geometry or in college meteorology. <laughs> some things about meteorology that I still loved. Uh, namely the beginning when the teacher said, you know, you can't predict the weather. <laughs> and I thought, wait, so why am I taking this class? It was kind of a joke, but anyway. Um, but, it, but I didn't take it. It wasn't that I lost interest because I didn't get it, uh, but it was because I didn't look forward to it, right? There's a difference between, uh, you know, liking a class because you're good at it, but also liking a class because you're, you're excited to, to go and, and to be there. Uh, and to really soak it all in. I took some interest in, in education courses, because we're all sort of required to do that in college, but only when, <laughs> I, it was called Methods and Issues in Teaching English, only when those courses were about teaching literature did I really get excited. Of course, it's important to be, you know, to understand different philosophical things with education, but I was really excited to get to sink my teeth into what I was going to be doing on a daily basis with literature. Now, after some years teaching, I realized that my love of, Learning about literature turned into a love of learning about how to teach literature, how to light a fire under a student. Earlier in my, earlier in my career, I loved watching the strategies and, and techniques of other teachers in action. I'm sure every teacher did this as either in, in student teaching or in their first couple of years of teaching, just watching other teachers teach, and that was just a really exciting process for me. Uh, I think a lot of districts are continuing to do that even for veteran teachers which is really important, I think. Um, When we talk about effective strategies in education, some of the conversation applies to any classroom, but most of the good stuff, the useful stuff, applies to the English classroom. When we mull over questions concerning technology, diversification, uh, equity, or project-based learning, we learn the most from teachers in our content area who face similar challenges and share similar academic vocabularies. English, like other subjects, evolves and changes with every year that goes by. Teachers must reconsider their curriculum and rethink how students grasp ideas and use new technologies. There is no shortage of great speaking and writing that comes in the form of essays, podcasts, video poems, movies, songs, news articles, speeches. There's just a lot to keep track of. And so professional development should allow give us that time to sink our teeth into all of the different things related to language and literature in the world. I also think there's value in exchanging ideas with uh, teachers in other content areas, but it's most fun to hear from the English teachers in our building, and now that there's so many people online from other parts of the country. A few years ago at a restaurant, I overheard two English teachers. This is kind of a weird experience, sitting there eating my pizza with my wife and at the next table over, they're talking about these two female teachers are talking about teaching well. Romeo and Juliet, and I just laugh like I'm like telling my wife I'm, like I could probably go over that table and just talk for hours <laughs> about teaching English with them and all the different things they do. All the you know we probably had so much in common, um, and I and I thought about all the questions I could ask them about like what's your favorite poem, what's your favorite novel, right? We could have really engaged in a, in a great conversation just because I knew that they were English teachers. I've encountered so many ideas online and in person about how to get students' interest in the literature. Paintings, photographs, graphic organizers, one-pagers, sketch notes, posters, mind maps, pop music, movies, podcasts, history, book clubs, lit circles, current events, creative writing projects, and even science. (laughs) It's just amazing, and the list goes on. There's a lot of value in this kind of content-specific and job-embedded professional development, development, where teachers explain in detail the logic and philosophy of their approach and the real-life consequences of their techniques. So much of what we do is trial and error, and sometimes it takes the story of another teacher to try something new. I became the teacher I am now by revising my lessons' activities myself, uh, but also by listening to my students, also to listening, you know, it's important, I think, to not just listen to ourselves, obviously, but listen to our students and figure out uh, what works best for them. So they will tell us, especially at the end of the year, they will tell us what works and what doesn't. Uh, but, the, but the third thing is, is, not, is not just ourselves and our students. It's through good conversations with other English teachers about what works and what doesn't. It's a great quote from Experience in Education by John Dewey about the, the process of education. He said, quote, Every experience both t- takes up something from, from those which have gone before and modifies in some way the quality of those which come after. Unquote. So that's is something we need to like I think about that with my students, but I think about that with myself. Like what experiences can I have that allow me to grow as a teacher and make my teaching life more exciting? That's really what it's about. I think once you get into the rhythm of teaching year after year, teaching the same novels, teaching the same short stories, you get these lot, you make these the lessons better and better and better every year. You just like you can do it blind. It's, you can walk into a classroom and, and just know exactly what you're going to be doing every minute of that class period. Once you've taught for so long, it just com- comes completely natural to you. But when we engage in these conversations about what other literature we can do or how we can d- switch up how we how we teach and and, and uh, get across the the you know, allow students to discover the messages of the book, um, those things are that that's what I think makes our lives more enjoyable and if we have time to to engage in those kind of conversations about how to make our lives more exciting and easier like that's the that's why i started the course too is like i wanted to make a lot deep my life was so hard when i started teaching i was working like i i, I kid you not i was working like i don't know all the time i mean it's like uh, that's not even an exaggeration i'll come home and just work and then and read you know you have to read all the novels and then you have to kind of reread them the next year um, and then you were like, "Oh, I'm going to do it. We're going to do this new novel. We're going to do that novel. Grading the essays, just not having any idea what a good lesson plan looks like. So you're always working on your lesson plan, um, always trying to like wrap your your head around the concept that you're trying to teach. So you're listening to podcasts and you're, you know, um, reading essays and you know, I'll, even just now, I'm teaching Beloved for the first time. I was I got sucked into literary criticism. I was like reading so much literary criticism." And I remember just spending full Saturdays at the library. Just, just like bring a, you know, a bottle of Coke and just go to town on essays and lesson plans. And just I to have so much to do that I gave up entire Saturdays just trying to get good at it. And I look back on those experiences and I'm like, man, I, I just wish I had a course like that I give where I can just listen to a teacher that's been doing it for a little while, that has been through what I, what I went through. Um, And is able to just give, like, really solid advice. Now, obviously, we go to our colleagues for that kind of stuff. But I think it's that, that, those, that advice sometimes, you you know, it runs dry. Because you see those people every day. And they can only give you so much of their time, really. I mean, think about it, right? You don't want to take up somebody's, like, you know, again, nobody's got time to do anything. So we're not going to give up time to just walk somebody through all these things, you know, like we kind of had happen with, if you had a, didn't have an excellent experience student teaching or if you didn't do student teaching um, it's just good to hear from more than one person Right, one person doesn't have all the wisdom in the world about how to teach so it's good to just get a fresh perspective on how to do things um, and, and that's why I decided to start doing this too um, it's, it's no easy task to guide students toward finding personal and political meaning hidden deep inside the words of literature a single mind should never be tasked with mastering all of the responsibilities that come with teaching the most important and powerful literature in the history of the world. It should be given, it should be a given, that when teachers find a free second <laughs> to reflect on their job, that they get to participate in practical professional development that allows teachers to learn what exciting things are happening in other classrooms around the country. An easy thing to do now that we have the internet. We can listen to stories that will answer all of our questions. (laughs) If you've been listening to my podcast, you know I'm a fan of just like listing questions because I just, obviously as a teacher, it's just my favorite thing to do is just to lay a question down on somebody's plate for them to eat up. Um, What novels do children love year after year? What contemporary novels belong in the canon? How can we get students to love poetry and prosody? How can we make symbolism relevant and not just an exercise in literary futility? How is old literature still relevant in today's world? What does project-based learning look like in an ELA classroom? What is the literary value of movies, songs, speeches, and essays? What kinds of visual art or graphic organizers actually help students to analyze language and think critically? What makes students willing to open up and be honest about how they feel and what they think about themselves and the world? What makes them willing to share stories and engage in deep conversation? How do we avoid motivating students with grades and encourage them to love reading and writing? What kinds of writing assignments get students excited to express their perspective and understanding of reality? How can literature help students rethink the world they live in and demand a better one?